Thank you, Pastor Bob and praise team. I'm going to let you remain seated, be seated for, for uh, the scripture since you've just been up. If that, is that okay? Amen. Do I need to make you stand up now? Don't, you, know, don't. you can't go to sleep on me. I've been on a road trip last week, or not last week, but the week before, and then we had Wyatt and Priscilla were married in Cincinnati on Friday night, and so Thursday night was was um, rehearsal, and so I, if anybody has the right to fall asleep today, it's me, uh, and since I can't, you can't, okay, and so Todd, stand up, I want you to see how big you are, <laughs> Todd was a former All-American at Bowling Green, right, uh, had a tryout with the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm giving him permission, if you go to sleep today, uh, Todd is going to body slam you and wake you right up. <laughs> So, is that enough to keep you awake? It's enough to keep me awake. Now let's get into the scripture, okay? Now little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame of his coming. And you, and you, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called the children of God and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when we, he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Lord, multiply your word to our hearts tonight. Help us to see what you would have us see. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Did I pray that we'd see his word tonight? Or the, Okay, uh, it, it is morning, right? Okay, make sure I know the time of day. Uh, maybe this is a good time to segue into this question. Are you distracted? <laughs> Apparently I may be distracted. Are you distracted? Are you easily distracted. I mean, are you one of those people that, that it's easy to capture your attention? Maybe you're like this individual, and you guys, this will be familiar. Mary's going to pull it up for you. In the scope of life, are, are you Doug the dog that is easily distracted by squirrels? I'm going to admit, I am closer to Doug the dog in that video than I am the up guy. I, I can be easily distracted. I need things to keep my attention. I, I can, I can kind of be sidetracked. We, we did this road trip, Spencer and I, we did Canton on, on Monday. Tuesday, we drove, or Monday night, we drove to Cooperstown, did Cooperstown on Tuesday. Then we drove that night to Springfield, Mass., and did the Basketball Hall of Fame on Wednesday. And then we drove to Connecticut, took a train into New York on Thursday morning, and did an afternoon New York Yankees game in the bleachers. It was so, so nice and cool sitting in the bleachers in 95-degree weather. Spencer had such a great time. Uh, he, he just loved sitting in the bleachers. It took one hour. One hour for them to play the first inning, and it was one to nothing. Um, that does not qualify for me as using my time effectively. I was distracted. 
It was very difficult. And, and I know some of you are purists out there and you love the game of baseball and it's almost blasphemy for me to talk about baseball in this manner. But it was boring. You know, they would do the things they'd spit and all the other things they'd do. And it, it's like, just throw the ball. I'm easily distracted. I like action. I need action. And if things aren't moving, I can lose attention. Now, a distraction is something that divides attention or prevents concentration. <laughs> so some of you may be distracted right now because you're hungry. <laughs> you know, you're stu- you know, it's getting closer to lunch, or, or maybe you're sleepy, or you're, you're thinking about things that need to happen. Uh, you, you know, there, there's something going on at work. Uh, the, the ideal I have... Uh, as I thought about a distraction, or the thing that comes to my mind most is, remember that first crush you had in school with the little girl or the little boy that was sitting next to you, and you know the teacher's teaching, and the whole time you're thinking, is there something hanging out of my nose while I'm sitting next to this girl, right? Uh, you know that that kind of distraction is, is she looking at me or is he looking at me? You know the distraction that you have like that, but, but some of us, even this morning, even right now, if you were honest, you would say, I'm distracted because I'm thinking about work, a son that was just married, <laughs> I'm going to pick on Terry and me, yeah, you're, you're worried about traveling things or you're hungry, it may be something important, it may not be something important, it may, it's, just, it's just taking your concentration. John is writing to people who are being distracted from their relationship with Jesus. It's not that they're wanting to go out and sin and do evil things, but they're being distracted from the essential relationship with Jesus Christ that they've been called to. Their minds are wandering. They're starting to see things that are shiny and new, things that are different, things that they perceive as better and new and it's starting to pull them from their relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the essential call, one of the essential calls of this letter is found in that word abide. John's call is to abide or remain in Jesus. He said, I know you are being distracted you're being lured away, you're, you're being seduced away from your relationship with Jesus Christ. But, but John's call in, in this portion of Scripture is really simple. He's saying, remain, abide, stay in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, to be honest... Probably I could stop right there, and if we really grabbed hold of that truth, it would help us all. But because the luring, the seduction that the the early church faced is the same seduction that we face. Amen? There is, I didn't get it, let's try it again. Amen? (laughs) That needy pastor, I need an amen there. But even now, in our world, we are being lured into something different and new. And oftentimes in the church, we are slowly seduced to something so far from relationship with Christ. And John's instructions to the early church is the instructions to us as well. Abide. Remain. Stay in relationship 
with Jesus Christ. In verse 1 of chapter 3, my, my translation says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. But really, the literal translation of that is a question. What kind of love is this? In, in other words, John, John is rhetorically asking as he's considering this love of Jesus, what kind of love is this? And as, they, as the translators takes that, take that literal phrase, they get to how great this love is because the love that John describes is overwhelming. It's more than probably we should expect. It should be something that, that kind of knocks us off our feet a bit. It's a love that calls us to an intimate and transforming relationship with our Heavenly Father. That is the love that John is talking about. What kind of love is this? It's a love that is intimate. It's a love that transforms us, that changes us. It's a love of a father for a child. This deep, significant love. And it's a relationship love that, that, that changes us. You ever have a, a deep relationship that changes you, right? Uh, you know, a, a close friend, uh, can, a close friendship can change and, and transform you. Um, being married is transforming. Uh, I, I told the first service, Terry, so I'll say this in the second service, women are a mystery. You know, I've been married for 25 years and I'm still learning things about Terry and it's changing me. Uh, she knew everything she needed to know about me in about 30 minutes, right? And all the men said, amen, right? But a marriage relationship, I'm constantly, I'm, I'm learning new, th even though we've been married 25 years and I think we've had conversations over those 25 years, a lot of them, I'm still learning more things about her and she's learning more things about me and, and we're, we're growing ever more compatible, not less compatible. And, and, and it's, any relationship, a close relationship will change you, will transform you, will move you, will, will, will somehow shift your, your priorities. You know, kids can transform you. And parents said, amen, right? Kids can change your priorities. And John's talking about a deep relationship with God. Not a religion, not a ritual, not a mindset, but a relationship that creates transformational change from within. And so before we go any further, that, that, that is a question that this portion of scripture begs. See, I, I believe God is bigger than me. And, and, and when I think of God, God, to understand God, I, I never fully understand God till I see him. And, and, and throughout my life, there's this growing understanding of God, this growing understanding of myself. And as my understanding of God grows and my understanding of myself grows, I grow. That, that there's a change that occurs in me as I know God more and more. Now, John talks about this in terms of a transformed purity and righteousness. And righteousness is, is acting right towards others, acting right towards God. There's a lot of the word justice in righteousness. And when we hear the word justice, you know, we, we think of protection from others. But justice is not about protection from others. Justice is about care 
for others. And so it's, it's a shift that as we're becoming more pure, as we're becoming more righteous, it changes our interpersonal relationships with those that we know and love. There's this transformation, this life change, this, this changing of priorities. And I would say this, if in the last five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever number you want to put on that, if God has not grown you, if you've not matured in your understanding and your belief and your faith, if God has not called you to more in, in, in the last 20 years, either that means that 20 years ago you fully understood the concept and who God was and you had arrived, or maybe you need to go deeper in the relationship with God so that he can grow you up some more. I want you to know as your pastor, I stand before you humble and imperfect that God is still working on me and changing me from the inside out. I don't willfully sin. I don't try to break God's laws. I am as obedient as I can possibly be. I follow God as much as I can follow. When he gives me his will, I try to do it. But even in the midst of that, as I have grown to know him more, I have grown in purity and righteousness. And so relationship with God draws us and it changes our priorities. And, and sometimes it will, will, something will be important to us when we're 25, when we're 50, we find out it's not that important at all. Or, or something that wasn't important when we were 25 becomes important when we're 50. And I'm using those, you know, it's not about ages necessarily, but, you know, I'm just using those as an example. For instance, I've shared this before, and, and if, if you're visiting here, you don't know me very well, you'll say, oh, that's not true. I am by nature an introvert. <laughs> I like, and, and by profession, I've got to be an extrovert, right, Bob? Pastor, you know, we have to be, we have to be friendly. It's like the law or something. You know, shake hands and introduce yourself. And, but by nature, I'm an introvert. And so my natural inclination when I go home is that I want to go in the house and shut the door and just leave me alone, right? Anybody else like that? There's a few of us. You know, I'm an introvert. Over the last few years, God's been working on Terry and I, both of us, because are you introvert or extrovert? You're not going to tell me. She just laughs at me. I don't know. We're both introverted. And God's been working on us to know our neighbors. And so now we'll walk down the street. And this is contrary to sometimes what I want to do. But I know that's what God would have me do. And we'll actually do something like this. And no, this is weird. We'll say like, hi, my name's Paul. What's your name? Right? Right? <laughs> Now, I'm not as good as Jerry Lucas, so I've got to put their names in my phone, and I've got to use repetition, and every time I see them, I go, hey, Josh, how you doing there? And you know, I've got to continue to, to, to say their name. And it, you say, oh, well, that's not a big deal. It is to me. See, God's moving me in my priorities and in, in, in real-life action. I wouldn't have done that 15 years ago. You know why? Because as I've gotten to know God, I believe God, if Jesus lived on my street, 
He would know every one of my neighbors by name, and he'd know every issue in their life. And you know what? If Jesus lived on your street, he'd probably know the same thing. So this relationship is changing us. It's, it's Je- Jesus doesn't change, but we change. Now, there's some keys to relationship living and not religious living, just living by ritual. See, r- real relationship takes time and attention. And, and we know that, just our personal relationships. If we want to have a vibrant love relationship with our spouse, it takes time and attention. If we have a relationship with our kids, it takes time and attention. When we have a relationship with friends, it takes time and attention. Now, now a relationship can start in a moment. There, there is a time when you met your best friend. There was a time I met my spouse. There was a time you met your spouse. There was a moment of where the relationship began. And it's the same with God. There is a time in our life when we move from a religious experience or a religious understanding of God, and we begin to understand that this is a relationship. And, and maybe you're struggling with, with that ideal, that, that it's just been about rules and, and, and ritual and, and going through the motions. And when I'm talking about relationship, that's something you're hungry for. Well, well this might be a day. I mean, it's possible this, this could be a day where you could move in your walk with God from just a form to this relationship where you're just sold out to Him but it also includes a lifetime of growing, of time and attention. And as we think about our relationship with God, I think it's important that we consider our relationships with others, what kind of relationships we have with other folks, because our relationship with others can be a gauge of our relationship with God. That's scriptural, by the way, that, that Jesus talks about. Jesus says, how can you say you love me and I'm unseen when you don't love your brother who you do see. In other words, and that's in 1 John, uh, John is saying, listen, your relationship with others is a gauge of your relationship with God. And so we're talking about distraction. If you are easily distracted in your relationship with others, if I'm easily distracted with my relationship with others, it's possible we are easily distracted in our relationship with God. And this kind of hurts since I'm an easily distracted guy, right? So, so if I can be easily distracted in a conversation, it's possible that I could be easily distracted in my interaction with my Heavenly Father. So let, let's think about distraction. Distraction is the enemy of relationship. If you want to have a vibrant, real relationship, distraction is an enemy of that type of relationship. And distractions are not necessarily evil. I mean, there's many things in your life that may be distracting you from relationship with those you love and maybe relationship with God. And it may not be that it's something evil. As a matter of fact, you have, we believe, just don't get freaked out here, but but we believe that we have an enemy of our soul called the devil, right? Well, if you have us do, I do. I, I believe I believe that the devil is not just a force, but it's a, a real entity that's and he, and he's trying to destroy you and destroy your family. He, he hates you, and he's trying to remove you from relationship with your heavenly Father. 
And most of the time, the way Satan works is not by tempting you to rob a bank or murder your neighbor, but, but Satan works by distracting us from things that are essential and important. Distractions, some maybe, distractions may be simply focusing on good things and ignoring better things. Now, there's a story in the Bible, and we talked about this on, on Mother's Day when we talked about Sabbath. And it's a story of Martha and Mary, and, and Jesus is with Martha and Mary, and, and, and Martha is busy doing the things a good hostess would do. She, she is preparing food, she's cleaning up, and she's doing all the things that were good and proper, the things a hostess needed to be doing. And her sister Mary wasn't. Her sister Mary was sitting, sitting in front of Jesus, listening and talking, right? We, we know the story. And, and so Martha comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I'm doing the things that need to be done. Can you get my sister up to help me? Now, before we get too judgmental on Martha, most of us have had a time in our life, maybe this week, where we've been upset at a Mary who wasn't doing the things that need to be done, right? Amen? And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're busy with all those things, and they're good things, they weren't bad things, but Mary has chosen the better things. Relationship with me, relationship with others. So, so it's possible that, that you may be distracted by something. As a matter of fact, you're probably being distracted by something that's good, but it's not better. That there's something that God is calling you to that in your relationship that's better than what you're being distracted by. And so I have several I want to talk about today. I may not hit yours. <laughs> You may have your particular distraction, and you already know what it is. And, and just because I don't mention it, don't say, ooh, I'm off the hook. I can still be distracted by that. Uh, but there's many distractions. Technology can create distraction. Um, we live in an information, we live in a communication age. Um, when, is that my cell phone going off Yeah. Anybody hear a buzz other than me? Okay, we're, we're good now? Something I do? Okay. Uh, we live in a, tech, a technology communication age. Well, who, who has a smartphone? Raise your hand. Be proud about it. You have a smartphone, you know, and it's only as smart as we are, but we all have smartphones. And, and so there's instant communication. And when, when, when I was growing up, I grew up, we had a party line. We didn't even have an individual line at the house. And now all my boys have phones. And, and so there's that instant communication. There's that instant inf uh, access to information. I, I can remember when I went to college, when, when I was in college and, and law school, we really didn't have personal computers. We particularly didn't have laptops. Laptops. You were starting to see some desktops, but you didn't see laptops. Well, then I went to school later to get my Master's of Divinity, and you'd go in the classroom, and everybody had their laptops up. Now, Josh, we, did they have laptops when you were in college? And half these kids were surfing the web, looking at ESPN, looking at Fox News, looking at their Facebook accounts. But, but it was always funny to me. The teacher would say, oh, there was a book written by, and somebody would have the answer, answer because they would do a Google search in the middle of the class. 
So, so we live in a changing world and where communication, information is at the tip of our fingers. As a matter of fact, information and communication can become overwhelming. Uh, anybody ever do a project? And it's particularly true if you use the internet for your project. Begin a project, begin to research something, and you find so much information, you don't even know where to stop. See, we have enough information. What we need is meaning applied to the information. But this technology can become a distraction. So let me ask you, your smartphone, what alerts is it set on? Mine buzzes every time our garage door opens, right? Uh, and, and so every time it buzzes, what do you do? You look at it. It's a distraction. Uh, you know, is it set for phone calls or is it set for text? Every time somebody likes your picture on Instagram or Facebook, do you get a notification? Does it buzz every time a new Vine? Anytime somebody Snapchat you? See, I know all these things even though I don't have them, right? Uh, I have kids, and they talk about Snapchat and vines and things. I don't know a vine something that Tarzan sw swung on, as far as I know. But what's, what rings on your phone? And before you think, oh, he's just an old fogey, and he's just being judgmental, I'm right with you. You know, can, can I be honest enough to, to, to tell you that there's times that our technology, right, Spencer? No, okay, he's saying, he's saying no. There's times our technology that is, is such a good thing becomes a bad thing because it takes us from better things. And so all I'm asking is just to consider, is it distracting you from relationship with others? Why is that important? Because if we're distracted in relationship with others, sometimes that means that we become distracted in our relationship with God. Worry can distract. If you have something on your mind, and um, you know, even as I'm, I'm preaching this morning, there, there may be something that in your mind is going to happen at work, or, or maybe you had a test that was taken, uh, a medical test, and you're waiting for the result, and so your mind is just stuck on that item. Um, you know, what, what do they say? 90% of what you worry about doesn't happen. You know what that does? That makes me worry about the 10% that does, right? Uh, you know, so, so we worry about things and, and most of the stuff doesn't occur, but, but it can take you, worry can take you out of the moment, the relationship. It, it, it can cause you to focus on, on the issue instead of the other person or God. Bitterness can distract How, how many have, well, I'm not going to ask you to raise hands. <laughs> All of us have been hurt, right? Most of us have been hurt even in the church. If you've been in the church for more than five years, maybe more than five minutes, it's possible that you've been hurt. Why? This is a place, we have such high expectations here, don't we? Amen? You know, you go to the workplace and somebody says something or does something, you think, oh, that's work. But when it's in the church, it just doesn't fit. And so in the church, we can, we can have bitterness and hurt feelings that distract us. It's possible 
They, as you walk in, there's something that reminds you of something that happened, and it can distract you not only from relationship with people around you, but God who is present. Regardless of your past, regardless of what's happened in the past, regardless of, of, of how you felt emotionally today as you came into the sanctuary, I want you to know that God was present in this place. He was. And I know in my life, I don't know about anybody else's life, but I know about in my life, there's been times in my life where there's been a hurt or something that's happened that has taken me out of the opportunity of that moment. And I've grabbed hold on, and this isn't even good, bitterness is, you know, bitterness is like drinking poison, trying to hurt somebody else, right? You've heard that? I, 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 I'm so caught up in that hurt feeling that I miss the presence of God in that moment. Bitterness can distract. I wrote down some other ones I didn't put in your notes. Um, the need to produce. The, the need to always be proving yourself. That, that somehow my value is is found in my production can create distraction in our life and it can remove us from relationship with others and relationship with God. Consumerism can distract us from relationship. Last week, Monday was July 4th. As I think about July 4th, you know, I I love our country, but but there's Two phrases you hear in relation to our country. Uh, Every once in a while you'll hear the phrase, the dream of America, and then you'll hear this phrase, the American dream. There is a distinct difference between the dream of America and the American dream. The, The dream of America is this ideal of freedom and liberty, the, the, the freedom to, to worship, the freedom to speak, the freedom to move about, the freedom to, to have an occupation, the freedom to have a job, and that is glorious and that should be embraced by us as the people of God. That, that is driven by, by the scriptures, that is driven by Christian people, that ideal of freedom. And we have people that have served for the dream of America. In the 1920s, there was another phrase coined, and it was the American dream. The American dream is a different ideal than the dream of America. The the American dream is two cars, a nice house, and it is consumerism. Work hard. Earn all you can. That's Wesleyanism. But never be consumed by the American dream. That is something the church has to speak to. People are distracted by consumerism, by having more, by having new technology. You know that cell phone that you buy? When you get home, they'll have another another version out within the next week. Doesn't that drive you crazy? Technology and the need to always get the new thing. It's driving us from each other and it's driving us from God. Now, those are a few distractions. Are you being distracted in your relationship with God and or others? Not just my list. Is there something that's distracting you? See, constant distraction may even have an effect on our ability to focus. In other words, if you're constantly distracted by, by, all, by worry or by bitterness or even by a cell phone, it's possible that you could begin to train your brain to be distracted and it may become impossible to be focused. And, and that, that is the concern I have with 
the coming age. I mean, are we training individuals to be completely unfocused? So how can I increase focus? Is that clock right back there? Somebody tell me what time it is. Real time. Don't give me fake time out there. Is it 12? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You know, when, when people, there's like two people saying that, and there's like 20 people that are inside saying, yeah, dismiss us. How can I focus? Value listening more than speaking. And, and, and when you're in a conversation, most, sometimes in conversations, we, we, we are pausing, and in pausing, we're simply trying to calculate what we're going to say next. And everybody's been guilty of that. What I hear is more important than what I say. Can you say that with me? What I hear is more important than what I say. Practice listening. Watch what you eat and drink. You know, caffeine affects your ability to focus. And if you've had 20 cups of coffee before you came in here and you think, well, I, I don't understand why I couldn't focus this morning. It may be because of all the caffeine. You know, if, if you ate like biscuits and gravy and an omelet and had hash browns and pan man that sounds kind of good maybe we'll go to Bob Evans for lunch Terry if you had all those things for breakfast it's possible that you may be getting sleepy during service okay and these things apply in your relationship with others what you eat what you do physically matters remove distractions if possible does your phone really need to be on I mean, in this, in this setting, when you're sitting with your family, when you're at a, at a dining table, when you're sitting, uh, even watching TV, does your phone need to be on? And that's just one example. Create habits and environments that encourage concentration. When, when I came to be your pastor, I, I had developed the, the habit of hiking once a week. And what I found is it's very difficult to hike in Union County unless you like hiking in soybean and cornfields. And so I've had a very difficult time trying to place to hike. But I miss it because it was a time I would get away and, and I would turn my phone off and I would have my Bible and I'd have a journal and, and God would speak and I would listen to it. And it helped me listen in other settings. So create environments. Intentionally create space where distraction is allowed. You say, well, that, why, why would you create? Because there's going to be times you're going to need distraction. But control your distraction. Don't let your distraction control you. Eliminate unnecessary background noise. Is your TV always on? When you get in the car, does talk radio or, the, or music have to be on? I mean, find in these spaces, is, is background noise always necessary. I'll never forget when I was, uh, well, I was an adult, I was out of the house, but I came home and my dad was watching TV and he was sitting there, the TV's on. I said, Dad, what are you watching? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> you know, do, do we sometimes just have noise going because we just can't stand the silence? Eliminate the tyranny of distraction. Can we go back to where we've been this entire series? God sees more in us than we see in us. You realize that God sees more in you than you see in yourself. God sees someone that is worthy of relationship, that, that's worthy of being adopted as a child. God sees someone where, where they want, he wants to 
pay attention to you and he wants you to pay attention to him. God, God wants to be in a real relationship with you. Not just every once in a while, but God wants us to hear him in the ordinary times of our life. When we're at work on Tuesday, when we're at the family on a Thursday night, when we're out eating on Friday night, God wants to be in a relationship with you that's so real that you can hear him speak even then. See, that's the point. It's an ongoing relationship with God where I hear God wherever and whenever and however he speaks. That's what God's call is for us. And it begins with focused times of the word and focused times of prayer. It begins in settings like this, but it moves beyond these settings. Terry and I have been married, it will be 25 years and actually, where Wyatt was married was the same place we were married. So I performed a wedding for my son 24 and a half years later on the same platform where Terry and I was married. It was kind of surreal. But you know, Terry can call me on the phone, and I don't need caller ID to recognize her voice. See, the relationship is ongoing. It got, God wants to be so real that we can hear his voice wherever we are, whatever we're doing. But sometimes we're distracted. Have you been distracted with your relationship with God? We had a dog that was a beagle bloodhound mix. And it was the dumbest dog in the world. She would smell something or see something and begin wandering. And she would be gone for two weeks before finally somebody brought her back. She didn't find her way back. <laughs> you know, somebody would find the chip in her neck and bring her back. I saw her one time. She had wandered to the neighbor's house, and she was looking at their garage door. And I could read her mind. In her mind, she is going, this looks familiar. And she was just next door. <laughs> if she had just looked around, oh, there's my house. But she would smell or she would see something. And the next thing she knew, she would be... 10 blocks away. You know, sometimes that happens in our walk with God, that we're just distracted. That, that something happened and it took us here and it took us here and it took us here. And the next thing we know, we're, we're someplace where we don't even know how we got there. So some of you, it's, it's possible that five years ago, there were priorities and things that you were doing that now you're just not. Or maybe five years ago you'd have never done this, but now you find yourself living there. And it's not that you said, oh, I am just going to be disobedient, but you just were sidetracked and distracted. Have you been distracted? Are you hearing from God through the week? I know it's late. But I just feel compelled, and you stand with me, Amy, come. Now, this is training time. And God, I believe God's speaking, I do. And uh, I know it's, it's, kind of a, <coughs> it's kind of a weird Sunday. You guys kind of all seem happy, but everybody kind of seems kind of tired, too. And I don't know if you've just had a rough week and it's vacation or what, but, but can I tell you this? If God's speaking and you're thinking, oh, well, when I get home, it won't happen. And if you've been distracted and, 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 and you've not been hearing from God for whatever reason, maybe, maybe you're just intrigued by this ideal and, and you've not really invited him into a relationship or 
or found a relationship with him, that this is a time to come and seek him. So all heads bowed, all eyes closed. We're going to wait just a moment. And, um, and then we're closing prayer. You know, there's no guilt at an altar. Uh, this is just where seekers come. And so we're going to wait just a moment. If you'd like to come, I'd encourage you to come quickly, and then I'm going to close this in prayer.